0: Stories, cards, and symbols doll and of the above.
1: Myth Tarot
0: Love. Welcome to Myth Tarot Love, an intersectional feminist podcast that explores ancient stories and witchy wisdom. I'm your host, Biddy Diana. Welcome back everybody. I really hope that you are all feeling rested and have been able to connect with some of the rest cards that we talked about in the last episode. This week, I have a special treat for everyone because we have a guest. So today I have the honor of having Ashley Cruz here to chat about about the topic of care which I mentioned last week is one of the themes that I see woven throughout the tarot. It was such a great talk that Ashley and I had, um, but I noticed afterwards that I forgot to mention or that I quickly mentioned a podcast and a book about care, but I didn't fully say the name of the book or the podcast episode that I was referring to. So I just wanted to do that now up top so that when it comes up, you'll know what I was referring to. Um, So yeah, the podcast episode that I was mentioning um, is on the Ezra Klein show, and the episode is entitled Boundaries, Burnout, and the Goopification of Self-Care. The guest for that episode was Dr. Pooja Lakshman, um, the author of, I believe it's a newly released book, um, but it is called Real Self-Care, Crystals, Cleanses, and Bubble Baths Not Included. So I just picked this book up from the library yesterday, so I am super excited to dig into it. I also have some special announcements that I'm going to be sharing at the end of the episode, so be sure to stick around for that. But without further ado, I wanna give us a little bit of background information about Ashley before we play her episode. Ashley Cruz is an event planner, mental health advocate, modern witch, and lives in Treaty 6 territory, commonly known as Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. She is a fellow member of the Imbi community that I talked briefly about last week, and she is the host of Imbi's Bi-Monthly Book Club. Welcome to the show, Ashley.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: (sighs) Yay, me too. So excited to have you. Um, Yeah, I want to jump right in and start looking at the tarot side of things. Um, What is your relationship with tarot? Have you been practicing for a while? Or do you have one?
1: Yeah, I mean, I consider myself quite new to it, even though I guess it's been a few years now. I mean, I I guess I would say like many of us, you know, the pandemic kind of (laughs) caused a lot of shifts in my life. So it's something I'd always wanted to get into, but just never really had the time. So when 2020 happened, I was like, all right, I'm going to buy myself a deck and explore this. And then, yeah, like the rest is history, like total obsession, right? (laughs) But it's really only been about three years.
0: (laughs) That's okay. I feel like no matter how long you're constantly learning, it's oh yeah, <laughs> always something new. But that's funny because yeah, for me, I've always I've been around tarot for a very long time, but like really honed in on it also in 2020.
1: There you go. Yeah, it seems to be a common theme for a lot of us, but uh, it's definitely a journey that never ends, right? <laughs> Absolutely,
0: great. Um, so I want to kind of go into care and thinking about what it means and how we interact with it. So for you, what does care mean?
1: Yeah, it's such a great question to consider because when I just, you know, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Like I think of care of others, right? Like I think of community care and just caring and nurturing of others, which I think is really interesting because obviously it also applies to ourselves right in terms of self-care which is obviously a hot topic but yeah I don't know it's just it's so synonymous with community for me
0: that's awesome yeah I think so too community and the environment (laughs) even and ourselves especially and yeah bringing compassion I think is another one at least for me compassion for our bodies and what we can do.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Compassion, kindness, all of these things that are so, yeah, often outward focused and rightfully so. But I'm definitely on a journey right now of like balancing those things of what it means to care for myself so that I can like care for the environment around me even better.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Are there any um, tarot decks or cards in particular that help with this practice? For you if not that's okay
1: No, that's actually a a timely question. So (laughs) Queen of Cups has been coming up for me a lot lately, three times this past month. (laughs) Wow. It's such the kind, like the card of kindness and empathy and compassion, right? And I just, I keep pulling it. So it's kind of been like my care card for the last month. So very timely.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. That's such a good one. I talked about that one actually in last week's episode about rest. And because, yeah, I definitely feel like she is cultivating rest and compassion um, for ourselves so that's a really good one
1: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah the other one for me is four swords that one always comes up when it's like all right time to take a break <laughs> time to stop what you're doing and, and take a little rest so four swords is my funny little rest card as well absolutely it likes to follow me around <laughs>
0: Yes, that's definitely a big mental rest one for me as well. It's like, okay, whatever you're doing, you can do it another day. It'll get done. Exactly. Take a brain break, which can be tough to do.
1: It Yeah, it's a practice for sure, an ongoing practice.
0: Absolutely. Um, are there any practices with the tarot that you like to do in, in that way? Like, I know for me, I like to sometimes um, – like pull a card a day or i don't know if you have any like rituals around that or certain times of the year
1: Yeah, so I'm very much the same. It's the daily card pull. I try to do it every morning, but if I don't get to in the morning, I'll do it in the evening instead. And yeah, I mean, it's like the simplest and yet most profound ritual. Light a candle, light some incense, pull the card, meditate and journal about it. I have my own, you know, dedicated journal just for that. And whether it's five minutes or sometimes it's half an hour, it just depends on the time that I have. But even if it's just five minutes, like that's my grounding element of my day um I also love to do like card spreads every new moon and full moon so that's something that's really a part of my practice is you know making the time for that because spreads obviously take a little bit more time which is wonderful to make it a little bit more of a in-depth ritual I guess you could say
0: absolutely that's awesome yeah I agree it's nice to have that's what I think so nice about the tarot is that it can be versatile in that way it can be something just like quick and dirty almost like okay I just need something (laughs) pull a card or like a full-on spread yeah Yeah.
1: exactly yeah it can be as simple or as complicated as you want it to be right so (laughs) yeah that's what I love about it too awesome
0: yeah absolutely (laughs) all right so um next thing I wanted to ask is a little more um about something that we were talking about week or two ago now I don't even know what is time um but when we're talking about intersectional environmentalism that had me thinking more about intersectionality in like different areas of life and specifically about in regards to care um and so yeah I was just wondering what that might look like for you or just curious yeah what your thoughts on that are
1: Yeah, this is something I ponder a lot, because often when we're talking about care, there's that unspoken element of privilege that comes along with it, especially in these self-care movements, which don't get me wrong I'm a huge advocate (laughs) of self-care I think it's so needed but it's a very privileged space in like what we consider self-care and who has access to like all these you know (laughs) things that help us with self-care so and on the community care uh, side of things as well that also takes resources time things like that that you know, not everybody has, especially if you're someone who actually, like, needs a community care versus providing it, right? So I ponder this a lot. I wish I had, like, golden answers and solutions, but I don't. But it's it's why we have conversations like this, so we can all figure it out together, right?
0: Exactly, yeah. And I think, yeah, you mentioned a big one there is time. I think that it's one of those or I don't know if it is an unrenewable resource, but it almost is in a way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, it's definitely like a finite resource. Maybe that's right? a better so, return, like, yeah. our, The way I see it is our energy is a renewable resource mm. if we're renewing it and not burning out. But yeah, time is not a renewable resource. So I would agree with that.
0: Yeah. Are there any examples that you have that you like to use um, or that trying to think how to word this. (laughs) Any examples of care practices that you have that intersects with different either values or things in your life?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, a big one is my yoga practice. And I always joke about how, like, I don't even know what it is for me. Like, is it a hobby? Is it a fitness routine? Is it a spiritual practice? Like, it's all of those things for me. And it's very, you know, individual and specific, but it's also a community practice, right? Especially like to go to group classes and things like that. So... For me, that intersects, like, all areas of my life, which then intersects with others who I'm in community with. So it's a beautiful practice that way.
0: Yeah, that's a very good example. I love that. Yes, I yeah, I haven't been to yoga in a very long time.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, it's... Uh, it- how do I word this? Yeah, like it is for everybody. And yet not everybody's going to be in love with it. So I'm always like, you know, preaching yoga, but I understand it's not everyone's favorite thing. But for me, like, it's my lifeline sometimes.
0: Absolutely. I think it's so important to know what those lifelines are. Yeah, I think it's because you can do it at home. It's one of those things where I have been doing that for so long now, but I should go back to a class it's been a minute I'm one of
1: those people I need the group class the group energy like all of that right so which takes a lot more time than just rolling out my mat at home but I'm just I don't know I love the group element of it I think that's where the community comes in that I just value so much
0: yeah and and probably being with other people who are also again taking care of themselves and Mm -hmm. spending that time
1: exactly yeah yeah
0: absolutely awesome yeah one of the things for me I really like to do is knit that Mm -hmm. for me recently I've noticed because there was a few days not too long ago where I could not (laughs) I was just busy and couldn't get to it and I was feeling off and I'm like what's going on and I'm like oh it's literally like my practice of knitting I just haven't done it and you, or I forget how much even routine can help be helpful in keeping kind of centered in that way.
1: Well, that's how I feel about my yoga practice and just I've had a lot of change in my life recently with like moving and starting a new job and lots of travel very very grateful for that but it's definitely thrown my routine like totally out of balance I it's been weeks since I've gone back to yoga and now I'm traveling again so middle of October I will bring my practice back that's how that's gonna go (laughs) but you know I've been quoted as saying like I am a better happier person when I have my regular yoga practice like I really am it makes me a better person and if I don't have it yeah Everything's just off. So I totally understand the feeling and, yeah I love that you knit like and I love you know on that topic of intersectionality how that also like goes over like it's mindfulness it's also like you're creating your own items instead of buying them from the store there's like an element of you know you made this like how special is that so I I love that I wish I knit maybe I will maybe I'll put that on the the bucket list I know I want to learn to sew and like make clothes that way so maybe that'll be my answer next time there
0: we go <laughs> yeah I also want to learn how to sew I just got my sister sewing machine that I want to nice. try to fiddle around with. But yeah, that, that's exactly it. I like that I can make my own and even, you know, and again, this comes with so much privilege to be able to buy the yarn and get it from, you know, local businesses or small businesses. I love to support that, but that can, you know, get expensive. So it's funny how, Yeah, certain crafts and certain things I feel like you think of as like maybe a cheaper alternative, but at the end of the day, it it isn't
1: totally yeah that's how i think about sewing i mean you know i love halloween and we have yes. halloween coming up <laughs> yay right i love to like source things and make things and like my skills are very limited but i'm just like oh my gosh like at the same time yeah i would make stuff and save money but like would i would i have to then buy all the supplies i don't know it's a complicated there's no like one right answer but i think just the act of like creativity and mindfulness that's where it's at if that's the thing for you right absolutely
0: yeah <laughs> Awesome. Um, all right. I want to talk next on a little bit about your work, if that's okay. If not, that's a okay. Yeah,
1: let's go for it. <laughs> right. So
0: I know that you work in the mental health space, um, and in event coordination, but I was just wondering, are there any misconceptions about either receiving care or the mental health care system that you find?
1: yes so so many I think a lot of people think that like mental health care is always so clinical or needs to be clinical and like that definition of care is so different than maybe the community compassionate care model that we're talking about and like it's it's a both and situation because yeah in some ways it is very clinical but in other ways there's like there's different paths to take it doesn't. It's not a one-size solution fits all. So I think when people think of mental health, they think really, you know, clinical spaces, lots of you know, pharmaceutical care, which absolutely that's needed. But <laughs> there's so many other ways we can care for ourselves, whether it's mental health or you know other facets of health.
0: Absolutely. So it's almost like multidisciplinary in a sense. Yeah,
1: yeah, that would be a good word to describe it. I mean, especially like with all of the different you know technologies that are coming out and just ways of thinking about it like it's come a long way from you know 90s and early 2000s like for example I work in this you know the the offices are in the mental health hospital here in my city which is like far on the northeast like border of the city and that's where they put it there all those years ago to kind of you know, hide it for lack of a better, you know, let's just like put those people away over here and not think about it. And now there's just so much advocacy to be like, no, no, like these people are a part of community, right? It's a whole like recovery rehabilitation space. And what does that mean? And, you know, we have 160 acres of green space out at the hospital. It's beautiful, right? So like lending to, you know, this holistic care of these patients where it's like, no, no, you don't need to be confined to a room. That's not what mental health care looks like looks like or needs to look like anymore.
0: Absolutely. Oh, that sounds so beautiful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I love to see it because I'm all about that holistic care, all of those intersections, community care, like what does that mean going forward so that we can take better care of everyone who needs it in whichever way they need it?
0: Absolutely. No, that sounds, that sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. Are there any other because I want to ask you thoughts on myths and deities and witchy things, but um, were there any other parts about care that you wanted to chat about? I was almost thinking, actually, I was thinking about (laughs) um, talking about the, or mentioning the podcast episode that Sarah ended up talking about today, which I thought was so funny. Have you had a chance to listen to that? Or have you heard of that um, episode of Ezra Klein's show? um
1: I, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet but i know of the author and the book that they were speaking of so uh, i'm excited to give it a listen
0: yeah i it was just so funny it came up for me on tiktok and just yeah talking about i think it's called boundaries burnout and the goopification of self-care
1: Yeah, yeah, just that. When I saw that, I'm like, ooh, that really resonates with me. I mean, I speak about burnout a lot because that's my personal experience and and lived experience and, you know, struggling with boundaries. And then, yeah, this groupification, what a good way to put it, right? When we look at, like, this whole, you know, what the self-care space has turned into. And like I said, like, self-care absolutely needed, but it's just turned into this billion-dollar complex (laughs) that's not really achieving the goal is it
0: (laughs) no it's achieving the goal of making money for those companies but is it capitalism (laughs) exactly but is it actually helping anyone Mm. not really no no not really no yeah but you're right the boundaries part i love and the burnout part so yeah i've also experienced burnout um trying to think when that was it was at the tail end of my master's when I was doing that and it just floored me I couldn't string a sentence together I was so tired and anxious it it took a long time to pull out of it and I really had to care for myself um for a couple years I I would say yeah what what's your experience been like with that if you're comfortable talking about it.
1: Yeah I mean it's been it's been really these last few years which have been a doozy for so many of us so I definitely kind of like experienced my first burnout in 2020 Um, just you know burning the candle at both ends working full-time while trying to build a business while doing all this volunteer work I mean you know how it goes right so that was really the first time and I'm still kind of processing it for you know throughout these years because I wonder like if I ever fully recovered before I burnt out again, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. here we are in 2023 and I'm like, it's either that I've had multiple bouts of burnout within this three year time period, or I've just been burnt out the whole time. I'm not quite too sure. So I'm learning along with everyone else. This is why I talk about these topics so much because I'm like in it with everybody. Right. So I never claim to be like an expert that has all the answers because we're kind of all, yeah, this burnout thing, you know, when you look at the, the prevalence of it and just, you know, the amount of Google searches that have gone up over the years and things like that. Like even five years ago, burnout wasn't really something we were talking about at the level we're talking about it now, which is alarming. So it's good that we're talking about it and it really sucks that so many people are suffering with it. So yeah, I, it, I, <laughs> How would I put it? It's like balance, right? And I mean, I know that's a funny word. Maybe the word is harmony, but uh, it's something I'm learning every day because as someone who is multi-passionate, I just love to do it all and like be be a part of all the causes. And like as an event planner, I do a lot of, you know, event coordination for various groups and it's just learning to, yeah, coming back to the topic, take care of myself and really getting over like what that means and, and what is self-care that's actually going to rejuvenate me versus set me further back because I've definitely had those experiences.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And just that idea of balance, that's like one of my top care cards I'll say for the tarot deck is the two of pentacles, which for me is all about, yeah, balancing and only, you know, we only have two hands. We can only hold so much. We can only do so much. Um, If we try putting more in there, It's just going to fall to the side. So that's, um, yeah. Whenever I pull that card, it's a reminder to like, okay, are you holding too many things? How many things do you have on your plate? And like the spoons metaphor, which I'm sure you know about that, right? Um, How many things we can do in a day. And so I definitely resonate with that one. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I get temperance a lot as a tarot card when things start to go out of balance. So yeah, it's a good a good reminder for sure. And definitely spoon theory is so applicable here. And, you know, I used to kind of be careful how I referenced it and used it because it comes from like chronic illness, right? Like that's the, the context in which this metaphor comes from. But in so many ways burnout like is a chronic illness or at least presents as one so I've really had to like learn of kind of what it's like to live like that being burnt out right and it sucks it absolutely sucks (laughs) so that's kind of where it's like okay yeah we really need to get serious about taking better care of ourselves in every meaning of that word both as individuals and as communities I always you know you can't have one without the other you can't authentically have one without the other Because if you're only taking care of yourself and ignoring your community, well, we all know that's no good. But if you're taking care of your community at the expense of yourself, that's not sustainable either.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Either the community or the environment or really anything in life. I feel like if you are giving your all to everything around you and you're not giving it to yourself, that's not helping absolutely Absolutely. yeah and that's my
1: lesson in life (laughs) that's where i'm like trying to come back to some happy medium and just figuring out what that looks like it's an ongoing journey
0: yeah and it's a hard one and it's hard when we do have like so many pressures on us um we mentioned time before but lots of things um can contribute to that and and just thinking about privilege and you know Not everyone can say no to things and take time to be able to recover from burnout. So that's why I think, again, yeah, having these conversations and coming, not coming up with solutions, but ideas to try to help to care for ourselves and others in a way that won't burn us out or that you can heal from it.
1: Absolutely. It's why these conversations are so important, like, especially when talking about care and, like, you know, I'll never have a conversation about self-care without talking about privilege, right? And it's not meant to, like, feel guilty about it. It's just Um. meant to, like, acknowledge it and then decide how to move forward, hopefully in a more aligned way, right? Same with community care. Like, I'll I'll never talk about self-care without intertwining it with community care because I just don't believe it can like exist in a vacuum you know the way the industry is telling us that it should and would and can it can it cannot (laughs) it
0: can't yeah and it's also not just us and i think that's a really good example of that too right it's we're not i think we forget that we're on or we think we're on our own and forget the community that surrounds us that can help us and also take care of us and ask for it and i think for me that's the hardest part
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of communities like Imb. There you go. Shameless yeah. plug there, right? Like, I just, you know, we're all over the place. I've never met in person so many of us. And it's like, that's where I come for community care to both give it and receive it myself, right? Because there's just very few spaces like that. And we need more of them. We need to be building those spaces.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Completely agree. Awesome. Um, I want to move, shift gears (laughs) a little bit, um, because in this podcast, we absolutely talk about tarot, talk about things that I love, but also talk about myths. So I don't know how much you know about mythology or are into it, but I just figured I would ask, do you have a favorite myth or deity that you work with?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is something that I've kind of been exploring alongside tarot, right? These last three years of this journey of, you know, figuring out what it means to be a witch, right? Like exploring my own ancestry, which is very Celtic and Germanic, and there's just so much like rich folklore and mythology and traditions there that, you know, growing up, I just like had no idea, I guess. So it's kind of like this re exploration as an adult so my favorite uh deity at this point is Bridget I know classic <laughs> I just I love how she has like endured through the ages right through so many iterations that she is a Celtic goddess right so something that I can really strongly relate to um so yeah she's my favorite I get excited every February for Imbolc or Imolc depending on <laughs> how you pronounce that Sabbath. but uh
0: yeah. She's my favorite. That's awesome. Yeah. I was actually just about to ask him like, I can't remember which one she is. Um, so yes, in bulk. And I, I have a, I think I made a cross. She has a cross, right? Yeah. Yeah. Bridget's cross. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I cross stitched one a few years ago. Wow. Cause Love I'm like, that. I don't have any corn or <laughs> ability to make it as is. So I'm just going to do it this way.
1: There you go. I love that. That's something, yeah, going back to, like, practices. I want to, I just want to, like, make more cool things like that. I have a Bridget's Cross that somebody else made for me, Ooh, which is very special. Nice. But, yeah, i love to make my own. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's what I, yeah, I don't know. I like crafting, so <laughs> that's my, my go-to. And, again, my go-to care is crafting and reading and talking.
1: There you like go. This. Here we are then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hmm. I mean, you asked me what my favorite D.E.T. is. I'd love to know what yours is. Have mm. you discussed it on this podcast before? That's
0: a good question. No, I don't think I have. So mine is Artemis, which oh, yeah. makes sense with my name being Diana. Artemis is very close to the Roman goddess Diana. Um, yeah, definitely have always felt very closely tied to her, to the moon, to kind of that the, the hunt. Not hunting because I'm not a hunter but (laughs) just that wilderness aspect and caretaking of the young it really yeah feel very connected with her and the first time I was in Greece in what 2014 I happened to get a statue a little statuette of her and so she's been with me ever since and grown my altar around her
1: I love that. Sounds so special. Right. I uh, I think there needs to be a future podcast episode just exploring <laughs> that connection.
0: That's a good, good, uh, yeah, a good idea, a good point. Actually, now that you say that, I did light her candle today. <laughs> That's what's on right now is my Artemis devotion candle.
1: <laughs> nice. She's watching over us then. <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So that is my yeah my favorite the one that I work with the most I've thought about my favorite myth and I don't think I can pick just one (laughs) there are too many um yeah
1: yeah Hmm. I mean favorite myth I love the myth of Persephone especially as I've like relearned it Mm (laughs) as an adult because like I feel like traditionally it's told as the story of, like, she's kidnapped against her will and, like, all of these things. And, I mean, these are myths, so who knows what is or isn't true. But, like, I recently read kind of a retelling of it where it's like, no, no, like, that was her choice. She chose to go. Like, she wasn't kidnapped. She knew what she was doing when she ate the pomegranate seed. Like, we... All these stories are always like, oh, yeah, women are you know, subjected to horrible, horrible things. And yeah, in many cases that was true, but it's like, can we reimagine a story where the woman actually had like free will and power and agency, right? So when I read that, I was like, I love this. Like, it's actually a love story. Maybe that's romanticizing it. I don't know, but it's just nice to kind of have different perspectives on like what could have happened, right? I'm sure she wasn't completely voiceless, (laughs)
0: yeah I agree yeah I don't think she was voiceless and I think how it's written about at least in the hymn to Demeter it is very ambiguous about whether she chose to or was forced to take the pomegranate seed. and I think that was yeah on purpose and it does show absolutely her agency because yeah she could be you know a maiden Corey up with her mom or the little like queen of the underworld
1: (laughs) exactly right like it's that duality I guess that i just love so much because it shows us that like we can be both too right we can be the spring goddess and there's so much beauty in that but like queen of the underworld damn i would choose that nobody would have to force me to go
0: (laughs) that's a really good point yeah and she definitely has that duality to her um and same with Demeter I think she has that duality of being like the mother and the crone and I think that's kind of what it's playing at for for that myth but yeah that's a really good one yeah I really yeah. enjoyed the lore Olympus um series I don't know if you've read that one it's a graphic novel but it's a Hades and Persephone retelling
1: Ooh, I'll have to check it out <laughs>
0: it's a lot of fun <laughs> do you remember which book it was or what it was that you uh read that was a retelling
1: Something online I would have to dig through and That's just, fine. yeah, it was like a comment that some, I don't even, I really don't remember. It just like spurred so much in my mind of like, yeah, I wonder what other myths maybe where it was like, you know, strong guy and, and, you know, damsel in distress sort of telling that all it might of be them. able to be, well, true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And it's like, we know who they were written by. We know who wrote history. Right. So mm-hmm. it's just like, what other explorations could we have of those different perspectives where maybe there was another story in there
0: absolutely i yeah i think a lot of them could and i think that they're they're starting to have some of those retellings but um yeah one that comes to mind too is medea she is one of my favorites because she is a witch and i feel like she gets a bad rap, especially because of certain myths of her killing her children. So I understand not liking that, but that's only in one version. And so exactly. I think that there's a lot to play around with there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. This is the whole journey I've been on of like learning these things. that, you know, I feel... I don't know. I mean, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I'm just like, I feel like these are things we should know. Like I don't need Pythagorean theorem right now, <laughs> but I would love to know my mythology because I feel like it makes me a more like interesting, well-rounded person. Plus I'm passionate about it too. Right. So things like that, like we study Greek mythology in school, which is great, but like, what about, you know, in my case, like all of this European ancestry that I would love for to explore so as with everything else it's an ongoing journey for me to just like read all I can and learn all I can in you know this limited time thing <laughs> that we have going on.
0: <laughs> Absolutely yeah oh. I the same I like my background is in classics and so Greek and Roman history um, and mythology but that's also like a big reason why I wanted to start this podcast years ago now was that I feel like it is, there's a lot of information out there, but there's a lot of information that's kind of kept into like the ivory tower, into universities. So I feel like, yeah, there are a lot more conversations, intersectional conversations, modern conversations, um, queer theories that can be applied to mythology and to history. And it I want to try to, yeah, be able to get that information, that knowledge out there in an easy and accessible way.
1: <clears throat> Absolutely. I mean, talk about looking at it with an intersectional lens, right? Like we, the, the diversity and, you know, inclusion in these myths or lack of, right? Like so much is coming to light now of like, well, actually there were like these other versions or other perspectives to consider that often were silenced, unfortunately. So I'm glad that we're it now in a space where those things are coming to light and being talked about and just empowering so many other people that have been left out of the conversation
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and giving them a platform hopefully to be able to talk about those things because yeah I think um, classics at least as a discipline was one of the first things that you could go to university for like it was the thing that kind of started it out is people wanting to learn all of these stories and learn how to read greek and latin and not that it's a bad thing but also there's a lot of again privilege in that and yeah
1: yeah we've come we've come a long way and still have a bit to go (laughs) just a bit just a bit (laughs) Oh, it's exciting to think of, though, like where we've come from and like just, you know, all the different ways we can move forward. I know we talk about that a lot, like at MB and just other conversations of like reimagining that future.
0: Ooh, that's true. Now I'm thinking, like, can we reimagine care and what that looks like and means to us? Because, yeah, I think that, you know, the term self-care is so overused at this point and that it's almost lost meaning
1: yeah well like when i think of self-care i mean that's where the kind of like comes up like it's almost become a dirty word for me and it shouldn't like self-care is beautiful like it's needed it's necessary it's something everybody should be practicing but for me every time i see it i just i almost have like a visceral reaction of like ooh, what what muck what goop am i gonna be looking at right now and it's that's not good. It's not good. So yeah, reimagining care, I think like that is the next topic. That's where I'm at right now. Kind of, it's more like learning the things that don't work, haven't worked, maybe haven't been very ethical or inclusive or intersectional, right? And then deciding, okay, well, knowing all of this, how can we move forward? There's so many ways.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And especially, in the difficult times is right when we kind of need it the most and that's why I think that having those tools and knowing that's why I think talking about this is important but also just thinking about it individually you know what do we need you know as a person or for our community for the environment that way when we're put in difficult situations we have those things to fall back on Um, like moving. (laughs) I also moved, yeah, recently, and it's so much work. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But once it's done, yeah, the hope is that you're in a better space and can care for yourself in that new space.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I mean, for me, like that spiritual practice is such a part of my self-care, which then absolutely feeds into community care right so it's one of those unique things that it's like my tarot practice my you know like all of those things reading about mythology and and history and things like that that is a part of my care practice but that's not something we often talk about as an element of any sort of care especially self-care right so it's different for everybody i would never suggest any prescriptive model or anything like that but it's such an important part of when i'm considering what care means
0: yeah absolutely yeah me too Yeah. Setting boundaries, I feel like is, we've already talked about that, but for me, it's one of those pieces of care that has been, I think, one of the most transformational ones. I think, yeah, boundary setting and compassion for myself, (laughs) especially like I mentioned to you before and on this podcast, having endometriosis and giving myself the space to to be unwell, almost, and to feel that compassion for my body, even though it's going, if it's going through something difficult at the time, um, instead of bashing <laughs> it or, you know, being upset, because that doesn't really help anything. But allowing myself the time, I think that's where boundaries can come in and can be really important to kind of set those and for me anyways, that how one of the ways that, that can look like is canceling plans or making plans very loosely and just being upfront and saying, hey, I want to do this thing with you on this day, but I might, that's around the time where I might be in pain. So tentative. Um, and I think that's where we can be in community and where other people's compassion can also like it, it will allow them to practice it, if that makes sense.
1: It makes such sense. And I love that you brought this up and like the compassionate piece. Oh, there's just so much of what you said (laughs) that I'm just like, yes, yes. woo! (laughs) Because I think a lot of times people hear the word boundaries and like, it has like this negative connotation. People think of like walls going up and you know, that would be very rigid boundaries, which just like everything, everything in moderation. Right. But you know, there's a way to do it compassionately. And like voice what you need Mm -hmm. right in in anyone's case so for me like I know I'm very careful with like schedule management and I'm still getting better at this because sometimes it just fills up and I'm like what happened like nobody's forcing me to do these (laughs) things like I am saying yes to all these things right so for me a big theme has been like self-boundaries it's like my own self- not crossing my own boundaries because I'm very fortunate to be in a place like I don't really have anybody crossing my boundaries thank goodness I know that's a big you know issue of course that needs to be addressed if that's happening but for me it's just me it's just me crossing all my own boundaries (laughs) so it's been like this this lesson of similar to what you said learning of you know I can't do it all there might be times where I'm going to be tired there's definitely times I know I'm going to be more tired than others based on what's happening like with work and my schedule my own monthly cycle things like that right so I've also gotten better at going like yes I want to do that thing but I don't want to commit a month in advance because chances are I'm gonna to have to cancel on you and that really sucks <laughs> so can we just like it's like this like Lower commitment, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's been working for me, though, to be like, hey, let's, like, decide the week of. Unless it's something we have to buy tickets for. But, yeah, it's all just, like, managing my own self. Nobody is making me do these things. And I think having that realization, just really within this last year, has really changed everything for me.
0: Yeah, no, that's such really good examples. And I think that you're exactly right. It's boundaries are almost less for other people and more for ourselves. So I completely agree. Last year, I kind of set a boundary over emails, work emails in particular. Like after a certain time, I'm not looking (laughs) at them. They're going to get answered. And I'm normally very quick to answer like student emails and everything like that. But I set that boundary for myself and it was very helpful. Also taking emails off my phone (laughs) was also very helpful. And again, just a boundary that I imposed on myself, but I knew that it would be very helpful for my mind and for my anxiety. You know, checking (laughs) the phone every two seconds isn't going to help.
1: Well, it's so interesting because when you look at boundaries like that example, like they're really just basic rights. Like you have every right (laughs) to not check email after 5 p.m. or whatever the time was, right? Like you have every right. So like we're in this place in society where, you know, we put these boundaries in and people are all shocked, but it's actually just like your basic right to not have to, like that's where we're at of having to pull back. (laughs) It boggles my mind and I hope, you know, that's this phase that we can work through where we are all just back to you know balance whatever word we want to use Mm -hmm. to call it just being reasonable just being reasonable right we're not putting these wild boundaries on that's like locking down all these things that are not appropriate right it's in many cases boundaries are very appropriate they're not unreasonable right Mm -hmm. absolutely
0: and i think that Just being more on the internet now, I think it's taking us until now maybe to realize, like, we know that there's good and there's bad, and one of them is that (laughs) we're accessible all the time, and I try to, you know, when I have students, you know, talk to them and say, hey... You know, if you wouldn't be able to come to me in person at this time, like that's kind of the idea of not answering questions. Or if you're submitting something at midnight, 2 a.m., I'm not going to be waiting next to my email. If you
1: have an issue, it'll be dealt with in the morning. Office hours? (laughs) Exactly. That's what office hours are for. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of pros and cons with this whole virtual thing. (laughs) Yes,
0: definitely. Yeah. Big big pros for accessibility but also I don't want to say you want to be too accessible but I guess that is where the boundaries kind of come into play
1: yeah I mean it took until the pandemic for me to turn all my social media notifications off like that was huge right there's things like that it's like no no I can choose when I'm going to open the app right I don't need to be notified every time somebody leaves a comment or whatever and it's yet another funny subject for me because i actually really do love social media and like the power of connection that it gives us and just you know meeting people and being a part of communities of interest and things like that but it's that that same thing that double edged sword of like okay how much is too accessible <laughs> right yeah. we still need to have our personal time as well so that we can show up in those communities and for those communities
0: yeah and i think that's a really good example of something that could be both that is for care but can go can swing in the opposite direction if it's too much if that makes mm-hmm. sense like i enjoy watching tiktoks but also being on a phone for a long time isn't good you know for you so it can yeah kind of swing both totally. ways there
1: comes back to like intentionality mm. I guess like there's mm-hmm. some days if my brain is just like fried I'm like alright I'm just gonna sit here and scroll and it's gonna be fine I'm gonna accept that that I'm gonna sit here and scroll so that at the end of this time I'm not gonna be mad about it because <laughs> that's often what happens just last night that's what I did and I was so mad after because I was like I wanted to read I wanted to read <laughs> my book and I didn't read because I sat here wasting time on social media but when you go in with the intention of that's what you're gonna do or you're gonna check certain pages that you know you like to follow and connect with and engage with Mm -hmm. and it it changes it right and that's like one simple i mean i guess you could call that a boundary you know some sort of guideline for yourself that you follow because it helps you yeah take care of yourself and and have that intentionality with it
0: absolutely yeah and i think that's the perfect word for it is the intentionality i think that that makes all the difference um yeah that's perfect I agree. I did the same thing last night. I wanted to read. I'm reading a very funny book, (laughs) but I scrolled, but that's okay. I'll I'll still read it. I'll get to it.
1: There you go. Everything in moderation, (laughs) right? I find that like cutting things, I don't know, that works for some people. So I want to acknowledge that, but yeah, it doesn't work for me. So it's like finding that happy middle that I always talk about where you're not on either end of the extreme. Right, and you know that middle shifts for sure. It's different day to day for an individual. It's different for everybody. (laughs) It just is, and I think that's what we have to acknowledge because there's so many like things out there telling us like you have to do it this way or this is the best way. Here's your checklist of five things, and we're just like inundated with this information, right? And it kind of becomes paralyzing. So I'm a big proponent of like find what works for you, and it's going to take time. It's not going to be a quick fix.
0: Absolutely. Oh, that's so perfect. And I feel like that is the perfect place to <laughs> bring our conversation into a close. I couldn't think of a better way. Um, Yay. That was awesome. Thank you so, so much. Um, Ashley. where can people find you follow you? Is there another book club coming up or anything that you want to promote?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can find me on Instagram. That is where I hang out quite a bit, for better or for worse. Uh, It's Ashley K.A. Cruz on Instagram. Um, We do have an indie book club coming up, Date to Be Determined. It'll be in November once we just uh, land on our date. And we're reading Sacred Actions. I can't remember. I don't have the book beside me, what the, the subtitle is. But it's all about, like, living seasonally and, like, taking care of the environment within those seasons. So it's kind of this you know intersectional lens if you will of you know using the wheel of the year to take better care of the environment and just have better sustainable actions within those practices so i'm already about halfway through the book that's the book i was going to read last night <laughs> so i'll read tonight instead um and yeah that'll be in november we always have such amazing discussions with everybody who comes it's really a co-created book club i happen to like facilitate it but it's really the people who show up that like make the conversation so i'm really looking forward to it
0: you're an amazing facilitator i absolutely love coming to book club it's my favorite event every two months
1: <laughs> yay <laughs> but yes i'll let
0: everyone know um closer to and w- once the date is announced we'd love to have you join us it's free to join um and yeah awesome thank you so much ashley really really appreciative
1: thanks for having me thank what an enriching conversation for you know the rest of my day
0: so that was my episode with ashley and where i will be leaving it for today um, but yes, a special announcement before I forget is that if you are in the Niagara region, I am going to be at the Witches' sip and shop event on October the 13th. That's Friday the 13th next week. Um, I'll post more information about that on our Instagram page um, where I would love to hear more about what you thought of this episode and what you do um, to care for yourself and how you practice self-compassion so as always we are at myth tarot love on all socials and um, you can email us at myth tarot love at gmail.com um, you can also reach me directly at biddy diana on instagram and everywhere else so today i want to end with a quote from dr puja Lakshman um, that talks about compassion Giving yourself permission to practice self-compassion is, in and of itself, an act of compassion.
1: Myth and
0: tarot Where do the ideas go? Let's talk about stories, cards, and symbols And all
1: of the above they are all love.